And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're tuned in to Tapped Out. Hosted by Brendan Tobin and Sean Labine. Only on the BetQL Network. Welcome back into the recap, a.k.a. Retapped here on the BetQL Network. UFC 270 is in the books. Let's talk about it. Brendan Tobin in Miami, Sean Levine in Kansas City. And I want to say you were right. You were more right than I was. So you said Ngannou was going to win. You nailed it. I said Gon was going to win. Let's give some props to our producer, Jake, here for a second. I swear, BT, he's the only person that said it's going to go to the cards and it's going to be Ngannou who wins. You could have got that at 14-1 to odds before the fight went off. How about a pat on the back for Jake for nailing it on Saturday night? Yeah, I don't feel like I was right. I feel like Jake was right. I didn't uh, I didn't nail anything because I predicted a knockout within the first couple of rounds. And uh, man, just a weird fight where there really wasn't any, you know, any any looming danger from strikes. Such a strange matchup between these two guys. But it wasn't it was a captivating fight. You know, it, it had interest for sure. You know, I didn't find it to be like, uh, you know, Ngannou versus Derek Lewis by any means. I was still I was still very intrigued because. You know, and Ghana just flipped the script on us and just started to say, uh, hey, I'm a wrestler now. I'm going to start slamming people down, taking them down and holding them down. It didn't go the way really anybody except for Jake thought, to be honest with you. I felt like a lot of people were predicting that gone if it went to the cards and Ganu by knockout, like you said. Remember, I told you, watch out for surreal gone submission game. Of course, he started off winning his first two fights in the UFC heel hook and then triangle choke. Bro, BT, he almost. Well, would we say he almost got the heel hook? Was that a real thing that I was actually watching? He, I mean, a couple times he almost got the heel hook, which is a tough submission to get. It's also a very dangerous one to get with the Prince Ngannou who can punch right. you right back in the face. Uh, almost, almost looked like he got the Kimura as well. Um, yeah, he was definitely close. I was, I was, I was, uh, I was definitely like thinking that that was uh, that was you were close to that, and then to Calvin Cater a couple back to back weeks of just uh, buzzer beating nail on the calls, but. Um, man, Francis is so damn strong. He's so strong. It's, uh, you know, like they put those measurables up and they say that they're close to the same, but they're not the same. What does this mean? Spinning the wheels forward for both guys. Let's start with now the champion undisputed Francis and Ganu, where, I mean, he's been talking about boxing. You've heard Tyson Fury. You've heard all these different things. Now, what do you think it means? Are we talking about a new payday, a new contract, just fighting out? this next fight because he has to because he's the champ. I mean, wh- what's this mean for Francis and Ghana? Well, I guess one thing that we haven't touched on in the uh, in the aftermath of this all is that he did go into this fight injured, and it sounds like it's something pretty bad because he's going to go opt and, and get surgery. So that's going to put him on the shelf, you would think, for a little while here this year. So there's not a lot of pressure on him, I would say, for him to have to come back. I mean, his contract, I guess, officially runs out since he's still champ uh, until December. And then I think he's going to maybe opt to opt to walk unless they come with something. He's very telling. Dana White did not put the belt on him. He did not do a post-fight press conference. He was team petty all the way. And so I don't think that bodes well for a, a future of Francis Ngannou in the UFC. I thought it was a lot of noise coming into this fight about Ngannou walking. Although after Dana didn't put the belt on him, I kind of, I mean, that says a lot. Like Dana... He controls so much. And think about, like, let's say his narrative, Tyron Woodley's a good example. Man, if he doesn't like you, then you're not going to get the fights that you want. You might not get the fights at all. And unfortunately, you might almost be forced to walk. That's the part that sucks is I want to love Francis Ngannou, especially after that fight. But you can just tell Dana doesn't want to. 
it's strange too because I felt like in his initial buildup they wanted him to be champion so bad. Like sure. they wanted nothing more than Francis Ngannou to be their heavyweight champion of the world, to be their UFC Drago, to be this freak. You know, they would do the sports science behind everything, and then it was like kind of after you know he had that first loss to Stipe, and you know all the stuff came out about you know oh he didn't train that hard, this that and the other. You know, they really soured on him, but like I just felt like his comeback after that with all those knockouts that he had was, I mean, I, I just don't know how you don't fall in love with that as a fan. Um, but it does, it does put a damper on things because obviously, like this fighter pay with Jake Paul, you know, luring a lot of guys and trying to show a lot of guys going into to boxing and all that type of stuff. You know, it's been something that's been in the in the in the background of the UFC that I think Dana could easily swat away you know, as just YouTubers carnival barking to try and get headlines. And in a lot of ways, I can agree with that. But now you're in a situation where you have your heavyweight champion, which is supposed to be the baddest man on the planet. And you're telling me he wants to walk in a year because he feels like I can make a much better living in boxing. It's a tough look for the UFC. I'm not saying talking money when it comes to UFC is the most fun thing to talk about or even the most fun thing to hear. It's kind of like steroids in baseball, but at some point you have to address it because it does exist. The numbers are out. So the total pay that the fighters got from UFC 270, total pay for all the fighters, under $2 million bucks on Saturday night, $1.8 million. Just to put that into context, the last time Wilder and Fury went at it, just the last time, Wilder made $20 million. Fury made $30 million. So we can say I'll fight or pay and laugh about it. And Dana said you can go ahead and walk. But to pretend like it's not real, you've got your head in the sand. Well, don't even like don't even put We don't even have to like do the big numbers in boxing. Like I feel like we always go to, oh, what Floyd makes, what Tyson Fury makes, all this stuff. Let me let me uh, spit a name to you. Avni Yildirim. Do you know who that is? Come again? Of course you don't. He's the Turkish wolf. And he fought Canelo Alvarez. I saw this fight at Hard Rock Stadium pretty recently. He had no business being in the uh, into the in the ring with Canelo Alvarez. It was simply a tune-up fight to get to his you know his Cinco de Mayo fight, but he just wanted to do it, you know, get it under under his belt. And Abney Yildirim just to go get butchered by Canelo Alvarez. His disclosed purse was two point five million dollars. Wow, you know, like that's cr- and that's crazy just to step in the ring with the with the biggest names in boxing. That's why all these UFC guys. You know, I know we don't get all the numbers because of their pay-per-view cuts and some of this stuff is kind of hidden bonus and whatnot, but I think it's pretty clear that the main event, the stars of your sport, and I do just consider Francis that, look at the stars in boxing and think, man, how can we not be even in the ballpark? What do you think happens quicker, Dana Caves, or there's a promotion that decides, you know what, if we just buck up a little bit, maybe we can get some of his fighters. Maybe we can get some of his fighters to break contract. This feels like we're kind of at a tipping point with this whole UFC pay thing where something's got to happen pretty soon. I don't know. Like, it's not something that it's not something we haven't been bringing up in years past. This is just the most public I can think of the the biggest name of a guy I could think was serious about walking, you know, like. I don't think Connor was ever serious about ever leaving the UFC. He did. And I mean, they did give him an opportunity to go box. I think that if Francis has said this in his negotiations, if they gave me the opportunity to go box, then I would be much open, more open to staying with the UFC, but the UFC doesn't seem like they want to play ball with that. Also Dana hates Bob Arum like poison. Cause the idea is he would want to go fight Tyson Fury. He's a top ranked guy. So there's that kind of politics of it as well. But, um, this is this is the most interesting one to me because you've had a guy who bet on himself. He he finished off with the belt still around his waist, and all he really now has to do is run out the clock. And seemingly, 
is going to do that while also getting healthy because he's not he's not healthy enough to fight right now. It seems anyway. Brandon Tobin's in Miami. Sean Levine in Kansas City. The UFC 270 took place on Saturday night. We're breaking it down here on the tapped out recap on the BetQL network. Real quick, what does it mean for Cyril Gaon? A lot of people thought he was going to win the fight. And if he did win the fight, a lot of people were saying he could be champion for a while. Now does he just kind of fall in that group of all the other contenders? I think, you know, that was my big fear with him going into it. You know, I, I think, you know, we talk about who was right, who was wrong. The one thing that I think I was worried about with Sorrell going into this fight was 10 fights is not a lot of fights and there's still a lot of learning to do. And I think that that's what he figured out is like, man, I, I got to if, if you think you're going to beat John Jones and you had Francis Ngannou on top of you for three rounds, what do you think is going to happen if you get in there with John Jones? Like John Jones is an actual wrestler. I know there's not many of them to deal with, but if you have you know, these, these grand illusions of being the champion and John is going to maybe step into the fold here. He's got to tighten that stuff up. Um, I think he's also just got like, you know, for a guy who's as fast as he is, I would like to see a little bit more killer instinct, a guy, you know, kind of put uh, a, a few more things together. I feel like he's sometimes just a little too content playing the cute, uh, you know, uh, point game than it is, you know, actually going to try and get the win. I don't think John wants anything to do with Francis Ngannou. Like, based on the tweets, based on his actions, I'm not saying he's going to go back to light heavyweight or retire. It's John Jones. Who knows what the hell he's going to do? But based on the way that he's acting, and I can't blame the guy, I don't think he wants anything to do with Ngannou, especially this Ngannou that we just saw, who's not just a brawler, who's not just going to put his head down and throw wild punches. I mean, this guy was doing all kinds. He was wrestling. There was jujitsu. Like, it was John Jones doesn't want any part of that guy we saw on Saturday night. Definitely not. I mean, like, this is the thing is he's just such a, he, you know, John has talked about this move up to heavyweight and how, you know, methodical he wants to be about it because he worries about the strength and the power of these guys. And I mean, when you're talking about that, you're talking about Francis. I mean, like he is, he's freakishly, he basically just won this fight with brute strength because it was the most technical wrestling I've ever seen in my life. Um, and it just felt like he was just, he, he picked up Cyril gone like a child and slammed him on the ground and just found this recipe for success where, you know, maybe he didn't have the gas tank to strike. Maybe he didn't feel like he had the leg strength because of his knees being hurt, but he found a way. And that's uh, and that's all credit to him. I mean, John's won fights like that, too, where, you know, it hasn't it wasn't the prettiest. It wasn't the most dominant, but he still found a way to win. That's what good champions do. Let's move on from the heavyweights to the flyweights. Davidson Figueredo got his belt back from Brandon Moreno on Saturday night. I wasn't surprised. I guess I was surprised. I told you guys that I was very confident in Moreno winning after the fight. I guess I was a little bit surprised that all three judges had it for Davis and Figueredo. Were you? Yeah, I thought that, especially when you looked at the numbers afterwards, you're like, man, I'm kind of surprised. He only came right. out of that with two. Uh, I, I think what probably happened there is like judges really like knockdowns and, you know, Brandon Moreno found himself off balance on a couple ones. I didn't think they were devastating knockouts, except for the one at the end of round three. Um, but he kept finding himself hitting the canvas and that's not a good look to judges when they are throwing a lot of strikes and you're trying to figure out, well, how much does this one matter? How much does that one matter? Does this one more damage? And so I think Moreno hitting the canvas as much as he did was, uh, was a real detriment to him. So I'm not surprised that Figueredo got the nod, but I am with you. I am, uh, I am surprised that nobody saw that from Moreno. That's it for the UFC in January. Got a week off on Saturday and then back into the cage. UFC fight night, uh, beginning of February, Jack Hermanson taking on Sean Strickland. You want to talk about a, most of the time you'll say, oh, this could be fight of the night or that could be fight of the night. I don't know like, off the top of my head, any other fights that are on that card. I haven't taken, I haven't done that kind of research, but I don't this think they do either. They, well, exactly. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't even think it's filled out yet. 
well, you better figure it out pretty quick because they're a couple of weeks away. I don't care who's on it because I'm telling you, fight of the night. Like you tell me, Hermanson Strickland. That sounds like fight of the night to me. Oh yeah, that's 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 a fun fight for sure. And Sean Strickland's a bit of a wacko, so I think that's uh that's always a fun dynamic to add to this as well. And you know, Hermanson's looking, you know, kind of solidify himself back in that division. I think that he was kind of the hot guy for a minute, so that's a fun one for sure. Before we get out of here. Big card coming up the second week of February. The second time we'll see Israel Adansanya taking on Robert Whitaker. Most of the time, you and I tend to agree for the most part on these fights and the skill set these guys bring. We're totally off on this one. Like, you're all Bobby Knuckles. I'm all. The reason I like Adansanya is because at this particular weight class, we haven't really even seen him struggle. Like, if you want to talk about the Blahovich and moving up and all that stuff, cool. But if you want to talk about fighting for this particular belt, has anybody really even come that close? And I don't think Robert Whitaker. We've seen this fight before. It didn't work out, uh, work out well for Robert Whitaker. No, it didn't. I mean, like he is, uh, he is, he is diced up uh, all the hot guys. I mean, we've had a couple of boring performances against him. You think about like the Yoel fight. And, weirdly enough, the old guys, Anderson Silva and uh, Yoel Romero, haven't been like the most impressive Izzy fights. But when he's in there against the guys that he's really geeked up about, I mean, he's he's really dealt with them. Um, I mean, who's probably had the best success? Kelvin Gastelum probably had the, the most success against him in a, in an octagon. But, you know, I do think that, you know, Robert Whitaker is a champion. He is a guy who had a good reign as champion. He's been in there and uh, I think has shown improvement on rematches from time to time. So I like, uh, I like, I, I do, I, I, I have faith that the, uh, the Reaper can dial some things in. He's still a really great striker and I, I, I am excited about it. I'm not like, you know, completely dismissing out but I, I'm, uh, I think this is one of those where we have a good rivalry here in the flyweight division between Figueredo and Moreno. I think this, in a lot of ways, could be the middleweight version of that. Yeah, I think you nailed it when it comes to the Silva fight, when it comes to the uh, Yoel Romero fight. Not necessarily what we expected with those guys going at. I forgot about that. Ga- Gastelum gave him everything he wanted. That was a Remember great how fight. Fat his lip was like yeah. that was awesome. But to your point, when he really like has beef with the guy, oh, yeah, Marvin Vittori or uh, Paulo Costa, like. Costa was bad. That was like, because Costa, I really, I was like, oh, yeah, Costa's kind of dangerous. But I mean, he just, he diced him up. That wasn't even close. And then what do we find? Didn't Costa say I was drunk going into that fight? He's like, oh, I had wine the, the nights before. I'm like, well, what? Who yeah. talks like this? What are you talking about? I actually really enjoyed the, the Costa uh, press conference with Israel Adesanya. I'm, I'm looking forward to the one between Bobby Knuckles, too, because he's got some pretty quick wit himself. That's it for Brendan Tobin down in Miami. Sean Levine in Kansas City. Congrats again to Jake for nailing the fight. He told you guys. That's why you got to listen to the show. Jake said Francis Ngannou by decision, and it was Francis Ngannou by decision. Who knew except for Jake? That's it for the recap on the ta- on Tapped Out here on the BetQL Network. We'll talk to you on Saturday. Take care.